Jesus said, and now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Prophecy builds faith in the Word of God. That same Bible foretells six major prophecies that will soon come to pass, and we will analyze each one of them on this edition of the End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dave Robbins. I'm with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. So the six major prophecies that will soon come to pass are the world's greatest war will destroy one-third of mankind from the earth. A Middle East peace agreement will begin the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The United Nations will continue its drive toward becoming a global government. The establishment of a global religious system. A global numbering system is being tested, setting the stage for the prophesied mark of the beast. And then, of course, the great end-time revival. What is closest and most dear to our heart here at the ministry. Two of these prophecies could possibly happen yet this year. I'm speculating. The others will move forward with fulfillment during 2023, but will reach full realization in the near future. World War III and the Middle East peace agreement are the next two prophecies to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. Why do I say that? I mean, can I prove that? Is that purely speculation? That's not speculation at all. We know that from the prophecies of the Bible and from history. Let me explain. The, there is a skeletal structure to the book of Revelation. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. I know most prophecy teachers teach that the seals, trumpets, and vials are judgments and that they all happen during the final seven years. But that's actually a misinterpretation of Scripture. The first four seals have already occurred. They've already been opened. Those spirits have been loosed. And that's the spirits of Catholicism, communism, capitalism, and Islamism in the world today. The white, red, black, and green spirit. And also the first five trumpets have occurred. The first trumpet, World War I, back in 1914 to 1918. Look at the clues in Revelation 6, 1 through 8. The second trumpet, World War II, 1939 to 1945. The third trumpet, the Chernobyl nuclear accident, April 26, 1986. John said, I saw a star fall from heaven by the name of Wormwood. In the Ukrainian Bible, that would say Chernobyl. The fourth trumpet occurred with the shortening of the days and the speeding up of world events with the fall of the Berlin Wall on November 9th, 1989. The fifth trumpet occurred with, it was the Iraq War with Saddam Hussein in 1990 Again, all the clues line up here. So, the sixth trumpet, the first five trumpets have already occurred, this, and notice that the first five trumpets have already occurred, 
in just over the last 100 years. It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. And they've occurred in just the last over 100 years or so. So the sixth trumpet here is the next one to occur, along with the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. And the sixth trumpet is going to be World War III. It's going to be about 40, time the amount of, 40 times the amount of death toll as there was in World War II. And then, of course, the seventh trumpet, or the last trump, we're out of here. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that occurs at the same time of the Battle of Armageddon. Now, so that's why I say the next event to occur is this World War III and the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. The Bible foretells a final seven-year period that will immediately precede the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And it also describes the specific event that will mark the beginning of that final seven-year period. Now, I want to clear up a misconception here. Most folks misinterpret Scripture and teach that this entire final seven-year period is the prophesied tribulation period, the one that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24. However, that is not a correct interpretation of Scripture here. Every time the Bible talks about the Great Tribulation, it refers, it um, references it as time times and half a time, which is three and a half years, 42 months, which is three and a half years, and 1260 days, which is three and a half years. So the Great Tribulation, Jesus said, would begin at the time of the abomination of desolation, halfway through that final seven-year period. So the Great Tribulation only lasts three and one-half years. And so to say that the seals, trumpets, and vials all happened during the final seven-year period, that's a stretch. Uh, it's, a, it's a big stretch. And also, if you believe that, then you would have to believe that the wrath of God is going to happen several times in the near future. Uh, but that simply is not the case. And so we want to make sure we're getting it right because we've got to understand the timing of all these things to make sure we can get the true interpretation of these prophecies. And so Daniel 9.27 is the verse that prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for a final seven-year period. It's Daniel's 70th week. It's a week of years. It's a seven-year period. The entire prophecy is 490 years. But the final seven years has not happened yet. And so those are the ones that will happen in the very near future with this Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. That marks the beginning. So this uh, accord or this peace agreement will be a confirmation of God's covenant with Abraham that Israel would always have a homeland in the promised land. It was given to, the promise was given all the way back in Genesis 15, 18, that Israel has a right to exist in this homeland that God gave them. And that's what this peace agreement will confirm. So the, the fulfillment of this prophecy will be the signing of a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The Palestinians are the really the only entity on the planet that is vying for half of Israel, that property right there. The prophesied agreement has to do five things. Establish a Palestinian state in Judea, or the modern-day West Bank. Allow the Jewish settlers presently living in Judea to remain in their homes as a living as a Jewish minority in that Palestinian state. Place Temple Mount under an internationally supervised sharing arrangement. 
allowing Jews and Muslims to worship there, allow Israel to build its third temple, and Israel will retain control of Jerusalem throughout the end time. When you see a prophesied peace agreement, that specifically has those characteristics, then you can know assuredly that the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ has begun. Oh, what a day that will be. Our ministry will never be the same after that. And I'm looking forward to that time because, man, it'll be Katie bar the door. We'll know when that peace agreement is signed that we've got about seven years left to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. What a time that's going to be, isn't it? A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now available for pre-order at endtime.com slash ABC. Go to endtime.com slash ABC or call 800-END-TIME. Are you ready for an extraordinary journey to the region that is the focus of more end-time Bible prophecy than any other? Well, look no further. Join us on an unforgettable journey to Israel. Our adventure begins down in Jerusalem where we will teach on the Mount of Olives, sing at the Garden of Gethsemane, walk down through the Kidron Valley, then we'll make our way north, have a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee while visiting Joppa, Mount Carmel, baptize in the Jordan River, and so much more. Don't miss out on this incredible trip to Israel. Spaces are limited. Book your tour today. Visit endtime.com slash tour or call us at 1-800-END-TIME. Join us for an experience that you will never forget. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Now that we understand these six prophecies that the Bible says will occur in just the very near future, we're actually watching most of them happen right now. But the next two that we're watching for is this World War III scenario, and I'll get to that in just a moment, and also this Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement. You say, well, Dave, the Israeli-Palestinian peace negotiations, they're pretty much dead. They're never going to be revived. Oh, yeah, they absolutely will. 
The Jerusalem Post just recently wrote, published an article. The title of the article is, Meet the EU, the European Union Envoy, Hoping to Revive the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Processes. There is something going on that many people don't even know about, unless you follow this very closely. Sven Koopmans, who is the European Union's special representative for the Middle East peace process, recently stated, let's start envisioning what the future could be, leaving it to the Israelis and Palestinians to do the essential bit to make it happen. He said, imagine one day that there will be peace. He said, I know it's very hard, and I'm not saying that it will be very soon, but let's imagine that one day there will be peace. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this to you on this program is because the Bible tells us that a political leader from Europe, who will be the Antichrist at that time, will confirm the Israeli-Palestinian, the Israel's right to exist. They will confirm a covenant between them in the end time, and that will be the covenant that will last for a seven-year period. It's going to be an interim agreement. But the EU is specifically going to be involved in this. Now, I'm not going to take time to prove all that. I'm not going to get into the Holy Roman Empire and everything that's going to happen. But the Antichrist will be involved in this. And this is why I wanted to let you know there is a very huge initiative going on with the EU to get this thing to, to fire back up here. Koopman's initiative carries an enormous amount of weight given that Koopman's repre- he represents a 27-member bloc of the EU. And beyond that, he's working on behalf of the European Union together with the 22-member Arab League bloc and one of its leading members, which is Saudi Arabia. Now, EU Foreign Minister Josep Borrell has held a number of meetings on this informal initiative, and this included a trilateral gathering this past September on the sidelines of this high-level opening session of the UN General Assembly, and another one in February with Arab League Secretary General and the Saudis' foreign minister. So he's not just going to the Israelis and the Palestinians and trying to tie them together in a knot and saying, you guys will come to a peace uh, negotiating table. That's not what he's doing. He's going to all of the Arab neighbors and different people in the international community to get them on board with this thing, similar to what Donald Trump did, which ended up leading to the Abraham Accords. So Koopman's initiative is not expected to result in an EU-led peace process akin to the past U.S. initiatives, where many of them, like I said, have, have tried to drag the Palestinians and Israelis to a negotiating table and said, you will negotiate. That's not what he's doing. He's, getting a, he's looking at a regional scenario. And Koopman said that he hopes his efforts will help create a package of incentives to sway Israel and the Palestinians to engage in talks toward a two-state resolution to the conflict with any framework acceptable with both parties. And that is one of the characteristics, the biblical characteristics of the peace agreement, is that there would be a two-state solution created. Now, he said we can do our homework to prepare for the day of peace, and that is the assignment that I have been given from the 27 foreign ministers of the European Union. On that basis... I'm working closely with partners around the world. Now, again, most of the U.S. initiatives were focused right there on 
the Israelis, Palestinians. But Donald Trump kind of, he, he just, he created something different. He knew that he could not get the Israelis and the Palestinians to force them to come. He knew that wouldn't work. And they've tried that over and over and over. It didn't work. Because the Palestinians, they had veto power. They could just get up and walk away and say, nah, our Arab brethren won't allow us to do this. We can't make that decision. But now, Donald Trump went in there and said, I'm going to get the Arab, his, their Arab brethren on board, and they'll bring the Palestinians to the peace negotiating table. That's exactly what Koopmans is doing. He said that on that basis, he's working closely around the world with people in the international community and the Arab the Arabs, to create what he would say would be their peace package. The initiative is intended to exist alongside the U.S. brokered Abraham Accords back from 2020, and which Israel agreed to normalize ties with four Arab states. That would be the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan. And the U.S. and Israel are pushing to expand that circle of peace to include Arab states, primarily Saudi Arabia, because they're hoping if Saudi Arabia gets on board, then they've got a huge influence over the Palestinians to bring them to the negotiating table. So the Abraham Accords, they fall in line with Prime Minister Netanyahu's formula that Israel must first normalize ties with the Arab neighbors, a move that would eventually sway the Palestinians to finalize a peace deal with the Jewish state. What are we talking about here, folks? If they could get something like this across the finish line that has the biblical characteristics, this would start the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon. It has not happened yet. We're not in that final seven years yet. And the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're not in that yet. However, there are people, and the Bible says that it will be a European politician that will be influential in getting this thing across the finish line. Now you have a huge move by the European Union to get the Arab neighbors and everybody. I mean, the EU, the Arab League, the Saudi Arabian trilateral, this plan relies on the revival of a the Arab League peace initiative that was from 2002, which offered Israel normalized ties with the region only after it withdrew from pre-1967 lines, which would mean Israel would have to come out of the West Bank, back into Israel proper, and that would also include them giving up the Golan Heights. Well, I don't think Israel's going to do that. I think there will be land swaps and a lot of different things that happen. Uh, the Palestinians will be left in an autonomous situation, not there, a, a self-governing situation. But I don't think Israel, well, I know for a fact, the prophecies tell us. Jesus warned in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let them which be in Judea, those that are in the modern-day West Bank, they're going to have to flee. So I know that they will not have um, made this mass exodus out of the West Bank over into Israel proper prior to that event occurring. So this peace agreement is going to allow for this for Jews to still live out, live out there as a Jewish minority in some of those Palestinian-controlled areas. And I've got articles documenting that there are Jews that are willing to live out there under Palestinian jurisdiction. I know that sounds completely impossible right now, but I've got articles actually stating that, that there are Jews that would be willing to do that if they could stay out there with their farms and their different communities that they have established. And it looks like that's what's going to happen during that final seven-year period as a result of a peace agreement. 
So Koopmans said, hey, we're working closely with the Saudis, which is really the major player right there in the Middle East. And he said, we want to have Israel integrated into the region with full recognition by these Arab states at the same time solving the Palestinian issue. This is the issue that the Bible says will, that the peace agreement will have kind of like a false peace because it's going to be, it's going to blow up over time and it's not going to last forever. It's going to be an interim agreement, but this is the region. The Bible says that there will be a peace agreement that settles this for a short period of time. And to do this, Koopman said, he's the European representative, he said, we're building on the Arab Peace Initiative of over 20 years ago. Now, Israel has never embraced that 2002 Arab Peace Initiative, with the exception of former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. And it, it, it has always been rejected in any peace initiative based on the pre-67 lines, because Israel's not going to come out of there. Netanyahu would not do that. He's a, Netanyahu has agreed to a two-state solution, but he said, um, just like when Ariel Sharon gave Gaza back as an effort to uh, trade land for peace, and they went in there and they pulled thousands of Jews out of their homes, kicking and screaming. Netanyahu said, we're not going to do that. We're going to leave them out there in a Palestinian jurisdiction, just like we have Muslims, uh, many Palestinians living in Israel proper. We can leave Jews living out there under Palestinian jurisdiction. And it appears from what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 that that's absolutely going to be the case. So the Palestinians have stood firm on the two-state solution precisely based on those lines. 1967, uh, which... In the 1967 Six Days War, Israel conquered East Jerusalem and the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and the Sinai Peninsula. Well, they turned right around and gave the Sinai Peninsula back to Egypt. But 67 borders, it kind of gives you an idea where that's at now. They would have to give up East Jerusalem. Israel is not going to do that. Israel is going to retain control of all of Jerusalem throughout the end time. Because the Bible tells us in Zechariah 14 that half of the city, half of the city of Jerusalem is captured at the Battle of Armageddon, which means she has been in control of the entire city all the way throughout the end time. And, of course, that's when the Lord's going to come back, plant His feet on the Mount of Olives, and that is when He will rule and reign um, for a 1,000-year period. We will be with Him, the saints of God. Now, most members of the existing Israeli government, in contrast, reject the idea of a Palestinian state and want to encompass Area C, which, was, um, which is what they control of the West Bank in Israel's final borders. Uh, Israel, the West Bank is split up into three parts, Area A, B, and C. Some of it the Jews control, some of it the, the Palestinians control, and then some of it is a shared region between the Jews and Palestinians. And it, the Palestinians are always trying to encroach over into the Israeli-controlled part. Israel's always... Uh, kind of moving into some different areas where they would say, oh, no, we're not supposed to do that. And so it's, all, it's a big mess right now, right? So at, president, at present, uh, Koopman said, there is no peace process and the situation on the ground is deteriorating every day. So he said, you know, so many people are dying, so many people are wounded, so many people live in fear, and there seems to be no hope in sight, and that needs to change. So it is this aspect of hope 
that the EU is trying to focus on, particularly given uh, Koopman's background in mediation on behalf of the European Union and the United Nations, which is the, the very seat of the prophesied world government in the end time, in these conflict zones, uh, Koopman worked in um, Ukraine, Syria, Darfur, Mali, uh, Cyprus, and in Sudan. So this is not his first rodeo, right? So he says it's not his role to dictate the terms of a final status agreement. Koopman said, I'm simply engaging with the Israeli government and with the Palestinian leadership and many others to say, what are you first doing yourself for peace today? What's your vision? And what would it look like? Uh, what would you like for the EU to contribute? Now, I want to tell you that a lot of people have said, no, the Israeli-Palestinian, there's no way. That's impossible. They'll never get a two-state solution. But I want you to understand, the Bible prophesied that the, the healing of the deadly wound in Revelation 13, that the tearing down of the Berlin Wall was impossible. Just, a, just weeks before it, it happened in, back in 1989, it looked absolutely impossible. It was the very symbol of the Cold War. But yet there came a time when, when uh, Reagan stood and said, Gorbachev, if you want peace like you say you do, tear down this wall. And the wall, it, there was a time just in the very near future when Gorbachev said, tear it down. And it did in fact come down. It, just weeks before it looked impossible. But there was a time when it came down because the prophecies always come to pass. And so I know this prophecy is going to come to pass. I'm not sure if Koopman's peace initiative will result in that prophesied peace agreement. It could. Maybe it won't. I don't know. However, I do know there will be a peace initiative in the very near future. And it's something that we watch day and night here at the ministry. Because once that peace agreement is signed with those specific characteristics... Folks, that starts, according to Scripture, Daniel 9, 27, that starts the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. You hear what I'm saying? These, this could happen in the very near future. In our generation, it's a 2,500-year-old prophecy. Daniel wrote that prophecy when he was in Babylonian captivity 2,000 a little over 2,500 years ago. And now here we are. All of the pieces are aligning up perfectly for these prophecies to come to pass. How did Daniel know that this was going to happen just prior to when the God of heaven would come back to establish his kingdom here on earth, the Ancient of Days? Well, because he was writing God's word, wasn't he? God knows the end from the beginning. God showed Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Isaiah all these different prophecies. And now John comes along, he writes the book of Revelation, and everything is aligning perfectly as we speak. And many other prophecies are happening as well. So we're going to get off into more prophecy, the Sixth Trumpet War, and some of these other prophecies, the Mark of the Beast, when we get back from the break. Don't touch that dial. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. 
This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Along with the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, remember I said these are the next two that are going to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. Yes, there is a world government being established, a world religion, precursor to the mark of the beast, which I'll get to in just a moment. But some of these once-and-done prophecies, the next one, in my opinion, would be the sixth trumpet war. Now, I've got to mention this war that's coming that will emanate from the Middle East region and result in the killing of one-third of the world's population. It's called the Sixth Trumpet War because it will occur at the sounding of the Sixth Trumpet described in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 18. And the war is going to take place just before or shortly after the peace agreement is signed. And the Bible does tell us that it makes uh, it must take place at the latest before the final three and one half years begins. So, folks, it could conceivably happen at any time now. Now, I know there's a gravity to that situation. I just don't want to slide across there and keep on rolling. There are many people, very influential people, military leaders, different people, that believe we're already in World War III and that it just has not escalated to the point where we would have mass casualties. Okay? I mean, the Middle East is basically just like a giant tinderbox, and there are people standing around everywhere with matches ready to throw in there. I mean, if you think Russia and Ukraine is a, is a horrific conflict zone, and it is, and then the China-Taiwan thing, it's, I don't want to see any of that happen, and I wish they'd stop fighting in Russia-Ukraine. However, when this situation in the Middle East somehow ignites... And this World War III starts to the point where it's escalating and we're losing millions and millions and millions of people. It's going to be like nothing this world has ever seen. There's never been a war with anything near the amount of casualties of World War III. The prophesied Sixth Trumpet War. Revelation 9, 14 through 15 states, Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. Folks, this is the Euphrates River region, housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. 
Have you been following the news in the Middle East lately? I mean, some of the headlines, uh, CNN, Russia flies surveillance flight over U.S. bases in eastern Syria. CNN, Russian fighter jets harassed uh, manned U.S. reconnaissance aircraft over Syria amid ongoing tensions. The incident is least, at least the fifth interaction between U.S. and Russian military aircraft that the U.S. deemed unsafe or unprofessional since the, just the beginning of July. They're taunting our planes. It's almost as if they want to go to war. What they're really trying to do is to drive the United States out of Syria completely. But you're talking about, when you talk about Russia and the United States, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. I would not try to, neither side should be trying to taunt the other one, right? Associated Press, another headline, the U.S. is sending F-16 fighter jets to protect ships from the Iranian seizures in the Gulf region. Folks, you're talking about war at this point. Uh, Breaking Defense has reported that as as Russia intercepts another U.S. drone over Syria, officials warn that Russia and Iran are working together to force the U.S. out of Syria. EVN reports that from China to Turkey, from Russia to Iran, this model of hegemony makes serious progress in the name of the emergence of a multipolar world which these powers would dream of seeing as post-Western, as well as if the West were no longer the scribe of world history. Washington Examiner, Examiner, the headline reads, U.S. is sending more Navy ships and Marines, thousands of Marines, to the Middle East over Iranian threats and attempts to seize commercial vessels. On July 5th, an Iranian vessel approached the Marshall Islands at the flagged oil tanker TRF Moss in international waters in the Gulf of Oman, but ultimately left when the United States Navy-guided missile destroyer USS McFall arrived at the scene. A couple hours later, another Iranian vessel began harassing the Bahamian-flagged oil tanker Richmond Voyager and opened fire at it in international waters off the coast of Muscat, Oman. Over the past two years, Iran has attacked, seized, or attempted seizure of nearly 20 internationally flagged merchant vessels in the region. Now, folks, all of this activity is in the Euphrates River region. The Euphrates and Tigris flows into the Gulf of Oman on the north end. All of this is right here in the Euphrates River region. And the Bible says, Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates for to kill a third of mankind. This is the Euphrates River region, the exact region the Bible prophesies World War III will originate from. And, you know, I watch this every single day, every day, every day. I'm watching what's going on with Russia, the United States, Iran, Turkey, China, and What's going to happen? What's going to be the spark? Many people believe that we've already been in war with Iran for decades now because Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism. They're trying to get a nuclear weapon now. And they would love to annihilate Israel and the United States. So it's something we watch. Why am I watching this? 
Because, folks, the first five trumpets have already occurred. The sixth trumpet war, whether either before or after the peace agreement, that's one of the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. And the first five of the trumpets have occurred in just over the last 100 years. Folks, they're clipping off just like this. So I watch it every day because in the very near future, if it hasn't already began, World War III is coming and it's going to emanate out of the region that I just spoke to you about in all of these articles. There are literally hundreds of articles talking about what's going on in the Middle East region. So, two prophecies right there that one or maybe both, I don't know, could happen or at least begin to happen by the end of the year. We're watching them very closely, right? This is how close we're living to this stuff. Maybe it'll be next year. I don't know. But I've got to tell you, we're right there on the cusp of it. So, in the aftermath of this six-trumpet war in which, what, a third of the world's population is worth 8 billion, so 2.6 to 2.7 billion human beings have died, there will be a cry for global peace this global organ, for a global organization that can prevent war, the cry for peace is going to be deafening. The international community is going to adopt a world-governing entity to eliminate the possibility of a global war ever taking place again. The nations of the world are going to surrender. Imagine, after a World War III, nations will be finally willing. They wasn't after World War I or World War II, but after World War III, nations will completely surrender their sovereignty. They'll do away with their borders. They'll surrender their sovereignty and their, and their, um, their military to this world-governing body, the new world government, so that it can eliminate war completely, right? They'll try to disarm everybody. And this world government's going to be the culmination of years of planning that have already been in progress. The United Nations is the seat of that world government. The Bible tells us that the powers are going to swing from the United States over to Europe in the near future. That's going to be the power base of the Antichrist. And you can already see, European Union is the model of world government in the earth today. They've done away with the borders. All the nations answer to the parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. So, for several, that's going to happen on a global scale before this thing's over with. So for years, it has been generally believed that there were two major causes for war on the earth. Conflicts between nations and conflicts between religions. So the solution is simple, right? In the minds of these um, global elitists, number one, you've got to do away with the nation states. And you've got to force everyone on earth to pledge allegiance to one single ultimate political authority, a world government. That's what's happening in our earth today, folks. They're trying to get that to happen. But with all of this climate change and all of this other stuff, they're trying to do the sustainable development goals. That's not going to work for them. So there's a war coming. And on the heels of that, we will move into a fully functioning world governing body. And listen to me, World War III will be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist. Number two. These differences in religious beliefs, Iran and you know wanting to implement Sharia law and all these other different religions. They've tried this world religious system up to this point. Well, that's going to be totally in control post-World War II. They're going to really move into ramping that up. Abolish the doctrinal differences between 
all religious organizations and coerce church leaders to sign declarations of unity with a single all-inclusive religious authority, a world religious system, the global ethic, and it's all going to be about promoting the world government and the world political leader, which will be the Antichrist. So on the heels of World War III, it may take a little time, but they will move into a fully functioning world religious system, a world church. And if you don't want to be a part, you're going to be considered a a spiritual racist, right? That's what's going to happen. You're you're an outsider. You're You're this pariah. And... You're going to be considered an extremist. And Gorbachev said we need to extirpate extremists. We need to kill off all extremists, religious extremists. Look in his book, Perestroika. So the Bible predicts that these two entities will be governed by a duel of the most deceitful demonic humans the world has ever, that has ever lived. To begin with, there's going to be a leader arise from the Europe. That's Daniel 7, 8. And he's going to have aided in these negotiations for this prophesied peace agreement. He's going to be this great orator um, and this a wonderful administrator. This, but he's going to have an ulterior motive in mind. He's going to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he's going to eventually seize the reins of influence and be the most powerful political leader in Europe. And from that power base, that's why the Bible tells us all this stuff. He, he's not going to be from America. He's not going to be from uh, the Middle East somewhere. He's going to be from the European Union. And from that power base, he's going, to, he's going to maneuver himself into control of the emerging world governing body. At the beginning of his administration, he's going to ascend as this world leader. He's going to be viewed by many as the great world, this great peacemaker. He got Israel and the Palestinians to sign an agreement. But to those who know their Bibles, he's going to be known as the Antichrist. Simultaneous with the emergence of this prophesied world government, the birth of this global religious system, interfaithism as it is already being called, is going to be a union of Catholicism, Protestantism, uh, and, and many, many, many religions under the leadership of the Pope at the time of the Antichrist. And that religious union is going to be founded, that union of politics and religion is going to be founded on the beliefs that Jews, Muslims, Christians, and, and all religions worship the same God while calling Him by different names. So interfaithism is going to attempt to embrace all the religions of the world. And scripture is clear that this religious union will be led by the Pope at the time of the Antichrist. The Pope at the time of the Antichrist will be the prophesied role of the false prophet. And so it's very important that we understand these prophecies because folks, you and I are both going to live through each and every one of them. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. 
The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. By the midway point of this final seven-year period, the world government, led by the Antichrist and the world religion, this is Revelation uh, 13, 11 through 14, chapter, Revelation 17 and 18, it, this world religion is going to be headed by the false prophet, and he's going to have control over the majority of the world's population. Well, then, of course, the, um, the sacrifices are going to be resumed once the temple's built. Daniel 9, 27 in order for the sacrifices to be stopped by the Antichrist, they will need to have been started once the temple is built. That's going to happen during the first three and one-half years of the final seven years. Then halfway through, the abomination of desolation is going to occur. That's uh, Daniel 9, 27. Jesus mentioned it in Matthew 24, 15. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. You know, throughout history, many people have, uh, from empirical leaders to religious overseers considered themselves to be gods or the Messiah. And the Bible prophesies this final global leader on earth, the Antichrist, will stand in a third temple, third Jewish temple, claiming to be a deity for all the people. This event is going to be the catalyst launching us into the final three and one half years of that seven years, which will be the Great Tribulation. That's when Jesus said that when the abomination of desolation occurs, that Judeans would have to flee. That's Matthew 24, 16. Jesus prophesied when the, the Jewish settlers living in the West Bank, remember that was a, one of the characteristics of the peace agreement, when they witnessed the Antichrist standing in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God or the abomination of desolation, that they would need to flee. It's at that same time, halfway through the final seven years, that war in heaven breaks out. Satan is bound to the earth. It's Revelation 12, 7 through 13. Halfway through that final seven-year period, that's when the war in heaven takes place. It wasn't the Garden of Eden. And Michael and his, his angels defeat Satan and his angels and confine them to the earth. The Bible says, Rejoice you that are in heaven, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because Satan comes down unto you having great wrath. Well, now we move off... At the three and one half year mark, halfway in, now we move off into the Great Tribulation. Many scriptures foretell the duration of the Great Tribulation, whether it says 42 months, 1260 days, or time times in the dividing of time, all three equal three and one half years. It's very important that you understand that. In the midst of all that chaos, God's going to send his two witnesses. That's Revelation 11:3, and they're going to begin their ministries, which is going to last. For 1260 days, if you read Revelation 11, and that's a three and a half years. So that brings us what happens during that final three and a half years. What else is going on there? Well, during the last half of that final seven years, many events are going to occur, setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's at that time, during the, the Great Tribulation, that the Antichrist and the false prophet will fully implement the economic system known as the mark of the beast. It's Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Economic control will be used to force citizens of the world 
to comply with the dictates of the one world government and the one world religion. And the plan is going to be to give everyone on earth their own unique identification number that will be necessary to function in society. You can see that happening right now. If any individual does not want to submit, obey, and to, and to pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his supreme authority, that person's number will be invalidated. And he's not going to be permitted to hold a job or participate in the global economy. Uh, consider the central bank digital currencies, a, a digital form of central bank money widely available to the general public. Well, it's not a good thing. It, it's... It, it may start out as something innocent, right? I mean, to us. But it's not, it's what it could be used for that's horrific. And according to um, Senator Ted Cruz's website, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, he's a ranking member of the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, Transportation. He recently introduced a legislation to prohibit the Federal Reserve, which is our central bank here in America, from developing a direct-to-consumer central bank digital currency, which could be used as financial surveillance tool by the federal government. As it goes on to say, as countries like China develop central bank digital currencies that omit the benefits and protections of cash, as, because cash is freedom, and central bank digital currencies could be used as a system of control, his website goes on to say, as well as the control and security of many existing digital cryptocurrencies, it is more important than ever that the, to ensure the United States digital currency policy protects financial privacy, maintains the dollar's dominance, and cultivates innovation. Central bank digital currencies that fail to adhere to these three basic principles would enable an entity like the Federal Reserve to mobilize itself into a retail bank collect personally identifiable information on users, and track their transactions indefinitely. Control every cent that goes into your account and every cent that comes out. And these central bank digital currencies are programmable. So they could say, well, you know, you can, um, you can do anything you want to with your money, but you can't donate to end-time ministries because they, they're extremists. We don't want you donating to them. So if you try to spend your central bank digital currencies on that, no, it's an invalid purchase. Or we don't want you to buying, buying gas stoves or anything like that. Spending money on too much gas. You need to buy an electric vehicle. I mean, this is the amount of control that we could get into. There's hundreds of articles on this. So Ted Cruz goes on to say, it's important to note that while the Fed does not and should not have the authority to offer retail bank accounts, it's already looking into what establishing a digital currency, what that would look like. And unlike decentralized digital currencies like Bitcoin, central bank digital currencies are issued and backed by a supposed government entity, which is not, the Federal Reserve is not government, and transact on centralized permissioned blockchain. Not only would the central bank digital currency model centralized Americans' financial information, leaving it to a vulnerable to an attack, but it could be used as a direct surveillance tool in the private transactions of Americans. There was a, a, something put out by the Bank for International Settlements. It was called um, The Lessons Learned on Central Bank Digital Currencies. It was a report submitted to the G20 finance ministers 
of central bank governors back in July. And it states this, and I'm quoting, over the last three years, the Bank for International Settlements Inter- uh, Innovation Hub has, stayed, has started 29 projects. Twelve of those projects are related to central bank digital currencies. But yet they say, oh, we're only, um, you know, kind of testing the waters. The folks, they're not testing the waters. There are many countries that have already moved into implementing central bank digital currencies. And once everything goes digital, then they can control everything you do. Cash is freedom. If I give you $100, you can take that $100 and do anything you want. And me, as the government, I can't control what you do with that. Well, that um, lack of control is galling the international community and these globalists. They want to have absolute control over everything you do. So, with a central bank digital currency... That would allow them to do that. Uh, Karstens, the leader of the Bank for International Settlements, he's actually, I've got a video of him saying that. He said, we don't know how, who people are spending their pesos on and their dollars, but he said the central bank digital currencies will give us absolute control over what people can spend their money on. Now, that's where they're headed with all this stuff. That's why uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida, governor, and Ted um, Cruz and a lot of different people are trying to pass legislation against this. So, folks, when we look at the precursors to the mark of the beast, the era of digital authoritarianism, because once everything goes digital, all I've got to do is hit a button, and I can invalidate your ability to function in society. Do you understand the, the, the gravity of this situation? So that this era of digital authoritarianism with AI and um, central bank digital currencies, global digital IDs, they're talking about all this stuff already. The, the road to a cashless society, um, facial recognition photos, implanted chips, social credit scores, vaccine passports, ESG, DEI, CEI, ID 2020, ID 4D, and folks, there's many others. These are all, in one way or another, setting the stage for the global economic sanctioning system commonly referred to by prophecy students as the mark of the beast. It's Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. The, this world governing body and the world religious system, they're going to give everybody their own unique identification number in their right hand and their forehead, without which they will not be able to buy or sell. In other words, without your, um, your specific unique identification number, you're not going to be able to function in society. John was doing the best he could to, subscri- to describe what was going to happen 2,000 years in the future. He said, hey, everybody's going to be given their own unique number in their right hand or in their forehead. They're going to be given a mark. And without that, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. It's going to be a global economic sanctioning system. The central bank digital currencies is one of the, not maybe not the, but it's right up there, one of the number one things I can see that they're doing to trying to push this mark of the beast system on people in the very near future. It's one of the main precursors that I can see, and I follow this stuff every single day. 
because it would give them the ability. The, the central banks control the economies of the world. The Bank for International Settlements is the central bank of the central banks. And so they're looking to control the economies of the world. They actually already control them with interest rates and um, ha- the currency and different things. But when they can have the ability to control what goes into your account and every cent that comes out of your account and to program these things to say, no, you can buy whatever you want, but you can't buy these 10 things or these 20 things. You're not allowed to spend your money on that. Folks, it's absolute control. And then they can say, well, hey, you don't want to get a vaccine. And Think about this scenario. In a future pandemic, uh, you're not allowed to work. But if you want a stimulus check from the government, You've got to be on the central bank digital currency system. Now, we could get there. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just laying out a scenario for you. Think about the, the amount of control that a government would have if we could go all digital. Total, it would be, it would be talk about 1984 on steroids. And so it's something that we absolutely do not want here. That's why there are governors passing laws against recognizing central bank digital currencies in their state. And that's why Ted Cruz, a Republican from Texas, a senator, is trying to pass legislation that the Federal Reserve couldn't even create a central bank digital currency. But do you think the central bank in America, the Federal Reserve, is going to allow all the other nations around the world to have central banks to create a central bank digital currency and then we're not going to try to implement one here? I don't know. I mean, this is still the United States of America, so we need to be in prayer. We need to be watching these things and we need to be resisting because I don't want a central bank digital currency here in America. And I'm sure if you understand it, you don't want one either. God bless. God bless.